a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. When Hector's Deli first opened a sandwich shop in Richmond in 2017, Broadsheet said it might be the most overqualified sandwich shop in Melbourne. Its owners had come from some of the city's most iconic venues and fine diners, including Stokehouse and Attica, and it quickly earned fans for its outstanding sandwiches made with top quality ingredients. There are now three Hector's Delis around the city in Richmond, South Melbourne and Fitzroy. Today, founder Dom Wilton and CEO Adam Brownell join us to talk about a big and pretty exciting change for the business and something that has been a major talking point for organisations around the world this year, moving to a four-day work week. Welcome, Adam and Dom. You've got some big news to share this week. It's something that is becoming a little bit more common in hospitality, but it's certainly not what everybody's doing. And I think you'll be one of the first kind of casual spots to implement this system. You have just moved to a four-day work week at Hector's Deli. Why have you done that? We have done that for the protection of our people. We want to make sure that we put them at the forefront of what we do. It's a really exciting initiative. It's an initiative that we've been working really hard over the last couple of months on, uh, but to create a lifestyle and a better balance for our team. So we know a better employee at home makes a better employee at work. So let's rewind back a little bit for those who may not have had the joys and pleasures of trying a Hector's Deli sandwich. But Dom, just tell us about the business and when it started, and I guess a little bit about how it's transformed because it obviously began as Mm. one. You've now got multiple, which means the requirements of the business change. Yeah, I think, look, to call it a business when we first opened is probably even far strung. I was a chef. I am a chef. That's my background. And I had been working fine dining. A chef who was kind of a mentor of mine, Jason Barrett, um, and I had worked at a bunch of places together. We were opening a fine dining French restaurant and the permits were taking forever to come through because it was an art gallery and we had no idea what we were doing and couldn't get permits. Um, so we found 32 square metres in Richmond, in the back streets of Richmond, in a not a particularly um, glamorous spot and opened up Hector's Deli as a way of waiting for our real project to come through and and um, to come to life and thought, oh, we'll be around for six months and then we'll, we'll close. And in those six months, we had 100 metre lines out the door every day. Yeah. Um, I remember when you launched, I remember when Broadsheet wrote that story and it was something that, again, I think today you've got a few more fine dining background chefs going into things like, you know, basically opening sandwich shops or bakeries where they apply the technique and rigour that they've learned to things that are more accessible for people. So not, Mm -hmm. you know, 17 course degustation. Yeah. But there were lines out the door because I think people thought, oh, great, this is a sandwich shop with people who care about the ingredients. They care about, you know, where they're sourcing them from and they really care about what that stuff tastes like. Yeah. And I think that was unexpectedly the perfect storm. We didn't intend on any of that, but you're exactly right. That's what happened. We were fine dining chefs and we had this um, intense kind of want to apply attention to detail and Mm. perfection and everything that you learn in those places to something really humble, like a sandwich, which resonated with people immediately. So you open the first one, it's a resounding success. Then you start to open up a couple more. So how did that change the nature of the business and the way you had to build your staff? It was um, baptism of fire. Look, to put it simply, we had 
if any, very little idea of what running a business meant and the responsibility that came with that of employing people mm. um, and creating a brand that was reliable for customers. And so um, where do I start with a building process? We didn't know what COGS were. We didn't know what cost of labor were. We had no idea how to not sell out before, I think, 11 a.m. some days. We didn't know what a sustainable business meant other than one meaning of that, which was environmental, which is what you learn as a chef. So to uh, to expedite the answer that would actually take me an hour, um, I guess we just kept chipping away at it and focusing on going slow enough so that we could see through what was happening. Yep. That was extremely busy every day. So to catch everyone up, you've now got three locations in mm-hmm. Melbourne and Adam then comes on as CEO and from a background at Grilled which is managing, I mean, how many how many grill stores are there? As a network, there's now over 160, including international. Uh, at any point in time, anywhere between 15 and 20 plus, just depending on the state that I was in. So, yeah, I spent the better half of eight years with Grilled on a state and a national level. So, you know, the Queensland market really well. I spent most of my time there, uh, ended up in South Australia and then Victoria as well. So... Dom, did you feel it necessary once you got to three stores and I guess having a sense of what you'd like to achieve, there had to kind of, there had to be someone that could come in, even though you were learning business on the job, who might have some experience with how to scale? Um, Geez, I didn't look at it that way. Obviously, we are a brand who has repeated itself. Every single time we've opened a new store, it has felt like its own individual concept. I know Mm. it has the same menu, the same sort of flow and the way that customers will use it, but it never. there was never a sense of, let's click go on scaling now and get a CEO and, and, and make it big. Um, the best thing that we ever did was refuse or kind of know that it wasn't a good idea to click go on all the offers that we had to be 20 stores by now. And I'm so thankful that we didn't do mm-hmm. that because we'd either be retroactively fixing everything yeah. or we would be dead in the water. Yeah. Um, and so what we knew and Luckily enough, we also have a parent group who have this kind of expertise who are able to share with us this idea of slowing down to speed up. And so if there was one thing that we've done really well, it's to rewrite this script that in hospitality, the pressure on the owners to continue to make money is too much of a force to be able to allow them to see clearly Mm. what it is that their business actually needs. And so... While we're six years in, Three Delis feels like, wow, you guys have scaled. But mm. we've moved incredibly slowly, if you will, and in a yeah. really considered, calculated way. The feeling of bringing a CEO on at three was us saying to ourselves, this is going to leave an impact on the world. And if our only want to scale or to build is to bring in more revenue, then we're not doing this for the right reason. Mm. And I had enough, and and my wife, Vanessa, had enough kind of immediate self-awareness to go, we're not the right people and we don't have the skill sets to grow this from three to any more locations. What we knew how to do organically was create a really cool brand that people loved that created a demand for more of them. Mm. But um, yeah, like just reflecting right now, the the greatest achievement was that we didn't push go on any of those Mm. and that we waited for someone like Adam, who has this wealth of knowledge to come in. And I know we're correct because the, the immediate feeling when Adam arrived wasn't, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm CEO, let's go. It was, 
let's continue to, to look under the hood of the car. Right. Let's continue to pull this thing apart and make sure that it's something that feels right and impacts the world and people positively before we grow it anymore, because that's our obligation. And that's a good segue, of course, to the change to a four-day work week. So where did the kernel of this idea begin? And was it something that you guys kind of, you talked about it one day and then you thought, well, this is a no-brainer, or did it kind of trickle in over over time? Good question. <laughs> well, we started the conversation when I arrived, and it was just like any idea. It was a off-the-cuff remark, and it started off by saying, there's so many businesses out there, particularly retail, the corporate world, internationally, that are doing a four-day work week. One day, maybe we'd be able to do it. And we sort of stopped and we went, hold on a second, why can't we? What, what, is, what, are, the, what are the limitations that why can't a hospitality business be able to do it? And as far as we know, we're one of the first, if not the first in the hospitality business in Australia to be able to launch this successfully over our network, which is really exciting. And that idea was coming about one part operationally to understand the nuances of how to open and close and whether our um, operation will allow for it, which is, you know, the, the part and parcel of building a structure in any business. But primarily when we talk about um, including our people and making sure that every single part of our business is considered in relation to our people is that we need to find that balance of lifestyle and days off. And then and it folded from there. And I think the that conversation started when then was a a yin to my yang dom going in every second day, when are we launching, when are we launching, when are we launching? So mm. to confirm, so it's a four-day work week paid at five days. That's how Correct. it works. Yep. Yep. Full 38-hour week, which is condensed over four days. It's not mandatory. The team can opt into it as well, so opt in and out of it. We suspect that, um, well, first and foremost, everyone has wanted to get involved with the process and the project, um, and we would hope that it stays a part of our DNA forevermore. It's not a trial phase. It is not here for a short period of time. We've backed ourselves into the ability to go and execute it for the long term. It's something that when you're out recruiting or people are coming to work for you, that's something that you can offer them, which maybe, let's say... 99% 99% of the hospitality industry can't. 100%. Yeah, we know that it's a it's an initiative that will attract great people. Uh, we know we've got some really talented people internally already. So one, reduce turnover and making sure that we can hold on to our already great people um, and give them <clears> the training and the resources. Every hospitality business out there struggles with turnover and staff retention. Every single, there is no one exception to that. Some do it better than others. Mm. And our ability to put this initiative in is the first part of hopefully another few projects that are in the pipeline to be able to create awareness around making sure that we put people in front of our business and as far as a commercial viability. So who does it apply to in your business? Which staffers are undertaking this four-day work week? Yeah, so we have 36 in our operations team across the three sites, uh, of which 40% of them are either supervisors, assistant restaurant managers, and restaurant managers. So our entire leadership team um, is is available for that um, initiative. The remaining part of the workforce, which is, let's call it 60%, is uh, part-time and casual. So they have the ability as well, and they already have that option to be working three or four days with their structure. So in, in a roundabout way, everyone's effectively available for it, but this particular project is more specific to supervisors and up in the operations team. Right. You. This was something you were also discussing with the staff as you were deciding on it, correct? You didn't kind of Carefully. sit down. Yeah, you didn't sit down one day and say, right, this is happening. You were engaging with these staff members. What was their reaction when you first brought it to them? I imagine they were 
excited. Yeah, absolutely. The initial reaction was excitement, but like us, there's always a reservation about of what if. So the the recharge day that we've put in, which allows the team not to necessarily work four straight days, was one that we deliberately employed to know that if we work four straight days, that nine and a half hour day on the fourth day comes a bit tedious. And Mm. therefore, how do we break that up? Our recharge day allows us to do two days on one day off in the recharge day and two days on. Um, And that gives us the opportunity to promote that lifestyle, whether it be getting to the gym, um, getting back into regular habits, cooking a dinner for their partner, whatever it may be. The second part of that, which is a part of this project, was to make sure that everyone could have a weekend day off as well. And the four-day work week and recharge day, we were really excited about. And the real kicker was also the weekend day that we said as a part of this, we want to make sure that every single supervisor and assistant restaurant manager and restaurant manager And everyone has been able to do that with the exception of one person to date, which is purely around their lifestyle that they need to have those days off earlier in the week. Right. So hopefully that, uh, again, is a a part that we can protect our operations. There is enough spread of leaders across our business to make sure we execute and keep all our guests happy as well. That idea of a recharge day as opposed to three days off consecutively or four days working is, again, in response to that burnout mentality in hospitality. You know, we really want to make sure that people are using that lingo of recharge day and we Mm. want to own that so that people are utilising that middle day in a way to make themselves feel less burnt out. Yeah, mm. and I think that's a really interesting subject we should should cover here. You come from fine dining, Dom. I mean, a few years ago, Ben Shuri, who I guess is one of the most influential chefs in Australia, moved to a four-day work week for his Attica staff. Do you think, and I know you've been out of fine dining for a bit, you're still deeply ensconced in the hospitality world. Mm -hmm. Do you feel there's been a change generally around that work-life balance or do you think there's a lot of talk about it but not much doing? I do feel like there's a change. Yep, I do. Um, And people like Ben are really self-critical and and always want to move forward and I Mm. really appreciate him for that. But if if we zoom out even further, you're talking about unsustainable business models that require people to work until 1 or 2 a.m. because that's when guests want to experience them. And 17 so, to 90 hours Yeah, yeah. And so I think if we look even further back at what Hector Stelly is doing currently, it's like we're not just offering a four-day work week with a, with a recharge day in the middle. We're also offering days only. Um, and so if we want to talk about me coming from fine dining and hospitality, I worked with, I worked in some environments that were shocking. I also worked in some environments um, like at Attica, where there was a lot of attention around how can we make it better and how can mm. we make this more viable for people. So I don't want to go and just diss everyone and say, Hector's dealing, it's doing a really good job uh, and no one else is because we sure as hell have not been perfect up until this point. Mm. Um, there is a real want to impact positively. And to us, what that means a lot of the time is saying no to that extra revenue right. that's dangling mm. in front of you. It's saying it's saying no to things. It's it's us getting in a room and saying, what are our values and what are our boundaries? And the minute we step outside of that, why? Yeah. And so... Is that something that came from Adam coming in and maybe putting a bit more structure around things? Or that was something you had or that was already built into the DNA? I think that comes in with Adam, definitely. Yeah. And not because it's... Uh, that want and that belief in the fact that Hector's Deli can be the antithesis to this kind of idea of bad mental health and long hours and burnout and hospitality has always been there from the get-go. Right. The, the expertise and the knowledge and the ability to implement it has come 
with someone like Adam, who hasn't been ensconced in that fine dining world, who who comes and says, hold on, like at a bare minimum, we're going to create really reliable infrastructure for our people. So mm. yes, that mentality always existed in Hector's Deli. The ability to execute it in such a calculated and considered way came with the arrival of Adam, without without a doubt. And I think also in the abstract, the idea of putting together a four-day work week for a lot of businesses was is probably something that they would love to do, but they probably can't get their heads around how it works financially. So it obviously was something that did make sense for you financially and the business was able to support having those recharge days. We are re-engineering the way our hours are going. So offsetting the finances comes at a small cost and a direct line wage, mm-hmm. if you like. Where where the financial rewards will come is where the point where we said before around turnover and tenure, which we won't be able to get some quantifiable data and for at least six to 12 months until we see that. So I'd say safely, let's say it's 12 months where we sit back and look on this and go, great, what did we learn from it? What did we do really well? What do we need to do even better? Mm. Because going back to Dom's point around where we have come and where we have, have been, it's really important to understand that we want Hector's Deli to be the front runner in this, but we also want people listening to be sitting sitting there going, how can I do it? And mm. how do we mm. lead by example and follow suit? Because that's a really important part for us. We want to be really known as, yes, a great sandwich brand, not a chain. Um, we want to be a brand that is is honest, is transparent, lives by our values and is really the front runner in this space, but hopefully a a pioneer in in many others. But people look to us and go, how do they do it? And we will be the first two people to pick up the phone and go, great, let's have a chat. Let's talk about how other businesses can, you know, involve it in there so they can go forward. Well, I'm personally excited to see it take place, A, because as you said, it might start getting some other businesses to think about how they can do it and pick up the phone. But also, selfishly, I love Hector's Deli sandwiches, (laughs) so I hope, and it sounds like this is going to mean a few more potential locations, which is going to be great for everyone, but also a a business that lasts for a long time. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore melb. I'll be back again on Wednesday. Chat then. Listener.